Would you stand with me, please, as we pray and as I read these scriptures, and then I'll have you to be seated. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God, and we thank you for the opportunity to be able to share. We pray that you will bless us, keep us, guide us, and direct us. We pray that you will open our hearts. The service has already been tremendous. We pray that, God, right now that you will speak through me, that you will give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remain standing. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything due to others, what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. You may be seated. The Sermon on the Mount, as we continue, and I've given this a subtitle, So What Is It That You Want? So What Is It That You Want? That is the subtitle. Point number one. Writing the point down, praying is not optional. Praying is not optional. Jesus does not ask the disciples their thoughts on what he has been saying to them about his Sermon on the Mount. He does not even ask them what their thoughts are or what they think. Doesn't tell them, uh, so give me your best thinking on what I'm saying to you. Do you agree or disagree? Jesus does not tell them to ask or pray based on how they are feeling. Jesus actually gives an imperative to the disciples and commands that they ask for what they need. Do you not know that in chapter 7 of Matthew that it is a command to pray? He says, ask. Seek and knock. Those are commands. In other words, Jesus was commanding them to pray. Ask, seek, and find are three ways of emphasizing the same principle. I know some of you lose your keys all the time. and You guys say, oh God, would you please help me find my keys? Ain't nothing wrong with that. In fact, when I lose something, I'm like, where are my keys? My wife said, have you prayed? No, I ain't prayed yet. It's almost like I don't hear that right now. I'm trying to find my keys. And I don't always tell her, Lord, would you help me find my keys? And then 30 seconds, a minute later, I find my keys. Found them. <laughs> you know, sometimes when my wife would say, have you prayed? The kids go, oh, Mom. But it was something, it's something that is good to do. And so one of the things that Jesus says to the disciples 
is that they are to ask, they are to seek, and they are to knock. As this command to pray is given, it is not given with the idea that one is to go to any other person. If you realize what Jesus is saying, he is telling them about prayer because he has already spoken to them. I won't say, I should say it this way. He has spoken to them about two or three different times already about prayer in this Sermon on the Mount. And he continues telling them about prayer. So when he says, ask, seek, and knock, he follows that up with verse number 8. And would you put up back up for me verse number 8? For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 8 is a further development of verse 7. And it gives further support for asking, seeking, and knocking. It is understood that this verse is not taken in isolation from what Jesus has already said in Matthew chapter 6. He's already have told them and given them the model of prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. He gave them this model. Many people say, this is the Lord's Prayer, and I told you that this is not the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, is not the Lord's Prayer. I know you've been taught that growing up. I know you're teaching your children that. It is not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is found in St. John chapter 17. What Jesus has given them here is what's actually called the disciples' prayer because they were the ones that he was teaching how to pray. So what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer really is what's called the model prayer or the disciples' prayer. So as you teach your children, let them know what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer really is the model or the things that one is to include when they pray. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. How holy is your name. So when Jesus in chapter 7 is telling them about prayer, it is not in isolation of what he's already told them. They already know who to focus on at this time. You see, some people pray to other people. I know you don't do that. You don't pray to other people. You don't pray to things. No, 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 I, I know, I know. You're not, you're not, you're not praying to, to the sun God. No, you're not doing that. You're not praying to your job. You're not, you're not praying to, to your, to your vehicle. No, 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 no. And you're not praying to that, are you? You're not praying that the person on American Idol makes it your person. You're not, you're not praying for your favorite character. Are you? You're not praying that that person on, on Survivor gets it and makes it. You know, he's the one or she's the one. You're not praying to that person, are you? When you pray, your prayer is to be directed towards and to God. It seems that God is the last person or the last one that we go to oftentimes when something is desperately needed. God does not like being left out of your affairs. How would you like it if somebody always came to you at the last moment when there was like nobody else to go to? I might as well go to this person now. 
You see, that's how we treat God. We go to God when we have exhausted every effort, failed at every point, and then we say, God, bail me out. But God says that you are to start with me. You see, if you don't have the right person to go to from the beginning, you might be led in the wrong direction. So there are times when we go to others. But God says that when you come to me, you need to come asking. You need to come seeking. And get this. When you go to God in this, in this verse, the verses that the Lord is, is elaborating on and teaching on, it is clear that there is a need. You understand that, right? They're asking because they have a need. They're seeking because they have a need. They're knocking because they have a need. Our prayer should also be specific. Sometimes we pray these global prayers and then wonder why God does not answer because you weren't specific. Ask God for what you need. As I said, these verses are not isolated. But they are given and they are for the disciples to understand and to know that they have a God who answers their prayer. The prayer of asking for the need, this is a prayer of understanding that there's someone outside of you that has the ability to not only answer, but to control everything about the events surrounding that prayer. You see, when you ask for prayer, it's not simply, oh, God send the answer, but what you are also asking is that God will orchestrate all the events that's related to the very thing that you're praying for. You don't even know what's happening behind the scenes oftentimes when you pray. All you know is that you want an answer. And all the things that are taking place, I, I bring up to you oftentimes, when Daniel prayed for an answer, the Bible says that it took three weeks for him to get his answer. But Daniel did not give up. You see, the Lord already told the disciples and the people that God takes care of the birds of the air. He already told them that, that if they needed clothing, that the fields, the grass, and the flowers of the field are already clothed. And the Lord already knows what you need. So there has been a precedence that's already been laid down so that when the Lord now comes and says that now you need to ask him, he is able to say, now remember what I told you before. They're able to base it on what they've already been told, and now they can come to the Lord because he's already said, I know what you need. I've taken care of the birds. Aren't you more important than the birds and the flowers of the field? Which is here today and gone tomorrow. So the Lord says, I want you to know, you can come to me and you can ask me for what you need. But let me say this. The prayer is limited. It's not limited well, I should say it this way. Not everybody who claims to be praying is receiving answers from the Lord. It's limited to God's people. I know people talking about their praying and they're getting answers from God. Oh, the Lord answers my prayer all the time. But if you're not God's child, you don't have a relationship with Him, how are you claiming Him as your Father? Oh, I know you may have heard of him, 
But you need to understand that God hears His children. He will hear the prayer of repentance. And in His grace and mercy, He might even bless you at times, individually. Now, He already blesses you because He allows the rain to, sh- to come down on the just and the unjust. He allows the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. He does that out of just His grace. But there are times when you're asking for very specific things, and God is saying, who is asking me? I hear somebody talking. Who is that person? So we are asking God, and yet many people don't have a relationship with him. The prayer is for those who know him, that are his. Ask is for his children. If, if you, well, if you don't believe me, we can, we can carry, carry that on a little bit further. Point number two, God gives good things to his people. God gives good things to his people. Which of you, verse 9, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If you recall, this should remind you of the time when Jesus was going through his temptation. After he was baptized, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And Satan said to him, since Jesus was hungry, turn, if you're, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. It is interesting that Jesus uses this, this same um, um, phraseology, and it's interesting to note that stones back here resemble bread. bread. It could be mistaken for bread. So which of you, of his sons, if he asked for bread, would give his son a stone. The prayer for bread, or that which is necessary, is right here mentioned by God. Note that there is a physical need that has to be addressed. Sometimes I think that we are scared to ask God for what we need physically. And if you look at these verses very carefully, you will note that they specifically are addressing specific needs. When most people are praying, they are praying for their wants and their desires. But if you note carefully, when Jesus was talking to the disciples early in chapter 6 and even now, he based it on what they needed. And that's what the prayer was related to. Oh, he'll sometimes give you your desires of your heart, things that, that you are praying for. But the idea here is that the needs of my children, I'll meet them. Some people are saying, God ain't answering my prayer. Is that a need or is that a want? I don't want us to miss the point here. If there's a person that's asking for bread, what father, what, what father of the earth is going to trick his son and give him a stone to eat? I have a point further down. I'm going to actually move that point further up. I want you to, again, look at verse number 9. And I don't want you to miss this. As Jesus is teaching them, you will note that he says, which of you? There is a separation that Jesus makes now between himself and the people. He is separating himself because Jesus only knows how to do that which is good. He is not identified with that which is evil. And so therefore he now says, which of you, if your son asks for bread? 
Because he's going to make the comparison of his father who he is identified with. Look at it. Look at it in verse number 9. Which of you? He didn't say which of us. He didn't include himself in that portion. But he turned it and said, which of you? If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone. Your prayer that you say God is not answering for all the other stuff is not necessarily going to happen. I want God, I want this. I want a television. I want that. I want this. I, I, I need all this, Lord. I, I, can, Lord you're not, I need all of this stuff. <laughs> we can go out and get things that we actually want oftentimes. If you want something bad enough, you go get it. If you want a Big Mac, you'll scrounge at that change around your house. I know I got some change around here somewhere. You're looking. I got a taste for a Big Mac. So whether you got a few dollars or not, you're going to find every dime and penny you got. Wait a minute. Hold it. Hold it. And what you do, you go to, you go to McDonald's, and you take that change, and you lay it on the counter, and you count it out to them. Hold it. I got a And you put whatever else. There's something that you can do yourself. Lord, get me out this bed this morning. Oh, I'm just so tired. Get me up, Lord. Oh, help me to get up, Lord. Get your own self up. Ask God for help through the day. You can get out that bed yourself. Ask Him for things that you can do. Lord, I don't know why they won't give me that job. I don't know why, Lord, I've been, I've been going to, I've been asking them. It's just, it's, they, they just against me, Lord. Well, maybe somebody else is better qualified. Everything ain't against you. Everything is not a persecution against you because of who you are. There are times when we make issues out of things that are not. We need to go to God and ask God for the things that we need. Now get this, you can ask God for the things that you even want. Let's look at it. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Now Matthew runs has a parallel account uh, to this in, in Matthew here. So, I mean, Luke actually has, a, has another account of this same story. And he uses a couple of different analogies. He uses egg in one instance, uh, and then he uses um, the Holy Spirit. God will give the Holy Spirit. But, but he gives this account, and, and, it, and it is from the idea that one can come to God and the Lord will supply. Now, now understand, let's go on and look at this carefully. Number 10, if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. What is the Lord saying? Here it is that the son of this man asks his father for fish. The idea is that it can be confusing because if you look at a, at a, at a fish, sometimes they can be com, um, confused in the water. A snake might look like certain ones in the water of fish. In other words, that which is harmful, a father is not going to give. You get this? A fish, a snake. A snake can be harmful. All right, let's look at this, continue on. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You, you see, there is a comparison that's being made between God and us. There is no comparison. 
There, there's no comparison between you and me and God. In other words, if, if a person who is evil, which is humanity, can give good gifts, how is God not going to give us good gifts? You see, there's a comparison because God, as a great and wonderful Father, is going to give us what we need. The reason that God does not give us certain things is from what's said right in this verse. Because he knows what's good for us. The idea is that God gives us good things, and even though we may ask for things, we don't necessarily know that some things are bad. So what God does for those that belong to him, he keeps those things away from us at times. But sometimes we are so persistent, and we say, God, I want it anyway. I'm going to get it, God, somehow. God says, okay, I'm going to give it to you. And so the very thing that God had been saying no to, he sometimes will give you because of your persistence in prayer, even though he had already determined that that's not good for you. And down the line, you then will say, God, take this away. No, this is what you said you wanted. It's yours now. You see, the idea with this asking and seeking and knocking, the idea is that one is going to God because there's a need. The idea here is that the Lord has the answer. It is the idea that if I'm going to the door and knocking, I have this need and I want God to answer it. It is not a one-time event. In the Greek, it means perpetual. One is to pray and keep on praying. One is to ask and keep on asking. One is to seek and keep on seeking. One is to knock and keep on knocking. If God says no, that should be your clue to not, keep, not to keep asking for that in prayer. Because if God is your father, he is not wanting to give you that which is evil. That which is wrong. Or that's not, I should say that's not helpful because he won't give, well, he'll give you things that's not for your best good if you decide you want to keep asking. But it can turn out for your good once you realize that God has a better plan than you do. So understand this. When God says no, take it as a sign that the Lord says, I already know what you need. I'm going to give you good things. I'm not going to give you a serpent. I'm not going to give you a snake. I'm not going to try to trick you. You know, there are some people who feel that God is out to get them. And the Lord is saying in this, in this, in these, in this teaching here, I'm not going to take the prayer that you're offering and then get to the point and then give you a rock when, you, when you're really asking for bread. Something that's, that, that wouldn't be helpful to you. But we sometimes think God is out to get me. And so we have this view of God that when we come to him, that he's this God that has this, this, this plan just waiting to pounce on us. And we approach him in that way at times. But God is a loving father. God says, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. God says, ask, seek. Remember, it's a command. For the person who does not pray that says they are a Christian, you are in sin and disobedience. You see, prayer is a privilege, absolutely. But prayer is a command. That's why the, the symphony halls, the symphony halls and the, and the halls of music can be filled with people when there's concerts. But prayer, hardly attended. Why? Because we don't recognize the importance and the power 
prayer has. Let me go into this next point. Point number three. Didn't even get through all the other points, but point number three, the golden rule. Just because my time is running. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. While many cultures had words or phrases and thoughts of a golden rule, it could never be kept because only Christ is able to help a person keep this rule. Secondly, it is biblically based and for the believer and the rule, uh, the, the rule originates from God and not from man. The fact that the rule is said to be of the law and the prophets is not something that could ever be invented by man. When the Lord said that this sums up the law or fulfills the law and the prophets, it was a way of saying that all of the Old Testament is summed up by this verse right here. Dr. Butler states and says that we need to understand that the golden rule can never originate with man. Even though many cultures had the the ideas and had talked about the rules pertaining to the golden rule, in most cases, do you not know the golden rule is was, was stated in a negative way? In other words, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. That was the phrasing of it and how most people understood it. But Jesus turns it and says, do to others what you would have them do to you. He states it in a positive while everybody else was stating it in a negative. That was the rule. It was stated in a negative way. In other words, when you think about it, it is always with the idea that what comes around, what goes around, comes around. It's always with the idea that you don't want bad things to happen. But that's not how Jesus presents it. He says, do. There are two ways to sin. By commission and omission. Commission and omission. Commission is by doing something that God clearly says you are not to do. And you say, I'm doing it anyway. Omission is not doing the very thing that God told you to do. So you can sin both ways by doing and then not doing what the Lord says. The golden rule is based on the idea, not that a person says, I just mind my own business. I don't bother nobody, so I, I, I should be okay with God. That's not what the Lord is saying. It is that the fact that there is a need and you are to treat that person as you would want to be treated, that means it involves you doing something. It's not a matter of you avoiding somebody says, I'm just staying out of everybody's business and doing mind of my own. That's sometimes we need to do that. But it is the idea that it is positive and God expects for the Christian to be about doing what he's called them to do. And so here Jesus states the golden rule in the terms and in the way that's positive. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Please put up the next passage in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. I'm going to read this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. I'm reading from the board. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first 
and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You don't hate yourself. Well, some of you might, but I mean, but most people don't. You take care of yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. It involves doing something. So when people tell me, oh, I'm just minding my own business, I see there's a big need there, but mm, I don't get involved. That's not what the golden rule means. It is due to others what you would have them do to you. Let me throw this out there. There's nothing wrong with praying for a car. I hear the teacher say, I prayed for a car. Back in 89, I said, Lord, I need a car. Didn't have the money to get it, but I needed it. Got this little Honda Civic SI, 1989. I remember, it was black and sharp little car. I said, Lord, I need a car. I kept that little blue Mustang with that little Pinto engine for the longest. That car couldn't run. Pinto engine in that thing. I drove it as long as I could. Lord, I need a car. And so I went to Honda in Santa Rosa. I said, Lord, I, you know what I need. I don't have the funds. Went there, made application. Credit was good. I left with the car. Lord, how am I going to pay for this car? That was my five serious. But do you not know every month God made a way for me to be able to handle the payments? <laughs> there was a need. And I said, Lord, this is a, it is a matter of faith. And so we prayed because there was a need. And God knows. I sometimes pray for things and throw a little caveat in there. I say, God, if you give me this, I'll use it for your glory so I can get it. Y'all done that too. Y'all pray, God, I need this, and I'll, I'll serve you with this thing here. So we can really... There's sometimes I prayed. I, I wanted something. Sometimes we say, God, your will be done. I, I, was, I was being careful. Something I really wanted because God may have said no, so I wasn't really praying that God's will be done. I, I wanted, God, would you give me this? I want this, and I didn't want to add that other part because I really wanted it. Something you really want... You don't want God saying no, so you kind of pray kind of in a certain way that kind of directs the prayer so you can have it without saying, God, but if your will is not I, that I don't get it, go ahead. No, I left that all out. Y'all done the same thing. Come on now. Some of y'all still doing that. <laughs> and then there's times to where I didn't get the very thing, and down the road I saw, so, oh, thank you, Lord, that I didn't get that. And then you've gotten things, Lord, I, why did I get this thing? <laughs> so we have to remember that God knows what we need. He understands what we need. So we can pray for what we need. And I love when Letitia says, I need a car, Lord. I need, I need, I need transportation. She does so much. I need help. 
because it's a need. Nothing wrong with that. Don't know what he may give her. He may be looking for something right here. The Lord said, no, this is what I'm going to give you. I don't want that, Lord. I want this. <laughs> you see, there's sometimes when the Lord wants to give us something and we are refusing that because we want this. When you pray, the idea is that you're praying because you want God to give you what is in your best interest. When we look at this, as we conclude, we look at the word that Jesus says in verse 12. It is a summary of the entire Sermon on the Mount. He is wrapping up the sermon, and he wraps the sermon up with the verse, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. He wraps up as he's concluding with this verse. Even though we'll go on and look at the other verses, but this is a summary where everything kind of centers around. And not only does it wrap up this verse, but it also wraps up the law and the, and, the, and the prophets as a way of the Old Testament. You see, they didn't have the New Testament. They only had the Old Testament. Or they didn't have the New Testament. They, they only had the Old. And so what you have to realize is that when they're reading or when the scribes are teaching, they only taught from the Old. And so the Lord says that this golden rule fulfills all of the Scripture. And he then sums up his sermon by giving this rule. Let me say this. Prayer is hard work. Prayer is not easy. And if you think that praying is easy, then start praying. <laughs> Remember this. Jesus is teaching his disciples. And he's teaching them in this passage how a father relates to those that belong to him. God's love is so deep that the ultimate sacrifice was made in the fact that Christ came and died on the cross. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves in providing the sacrifice and then says, now go into all the world and preach the gospel. That what you now have, take that and share that so that you can give life to others because you have now been given life. That's the ultimate thing that Christ did. He fulfilled the law, gave his life for us, and now says, take what I've given you and you go give that to other people. It is a great thing to be able to come to the Lord. And I'm going to say this in conclusion. God delights in giving you good things. He delights in giving you good things. So whatever the Lord gives you, rather than saying, well, God gave me this, say, Lord, thank you for what you gave me because you gave me exactly what I need. You gave me what I need. So thank you. And I honor you and praise you. And when you do that, God says, look at that, I'm going to give him some more. <laughs> you really want to be blessed by God? Praise him and thank him 
So he can say, that person appreciates what I do for him. I'm going to bless them more. You want to turn off your blessings? Mm, don't know why God gave me that. I don't want that, Lord. But tell God how wonderful he is. And then take what God gives you and share with somebody else. This is what the Lord is doing for me. Do some things behind the scenes. Somebody don't need to know everything you do. Some private things. Go bless somebody. Look what the Lord has done. Bow your heads. Asking, seeking, and knocking pertains to those who belong to God. God does hear the prayer of repentance. Lord, forgive me of my sins. And then when you become a child of God, you are entitled to all the promises that God has for you. Lord, is there anybody in this place today that has not said yes to you? Pray that this message has stirred their very souls, that they will realize and understand that they were not made for themselves, but to serve and honor you. You provided and have prepared a way for us. And you have the keys to life. And we pray today that we will understand and know. So if there's anyone in this place that has not said yes, God, we are praying that you will open their hearts, that they'll say yes to the will of the Almighty God. I want to accept the Lord as Savior and King. I'm going to ask if there's anybody in this place. You can contact me afterwards, privately. You've got my number. There are some times when there's a discussion that needs to happen. What is salvation? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to serve God? But is there anybody in this place that, Lord, yeah, it's, it's my time. I, I need to accept you. And then we'll spend some time together. I need to accept the Lord as my Savior. I have accepted him before or I have never done it. We pray that God, even as we leave this place today, that anybody here that says, I want to contact you. I, 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 I want to speak to you about honoring and serving God. Asking him to be my Lord. Can we meet? Yes. So Lord, as we leave today, we pray that you will help us to ask, to seek, and to knock as commands. And we pray that you will give us what we need, Lord. Put in our spirit what, what it is that you want us to even ask for. We honor you today. We give in him all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.